Welcome back to the show. This is episode 46 of the Agency Freedom Podcast. We take our listeners from captive to indie to market domination. My guest for this show is Mr. Mike Creamer of Chubb Insurance. When I recorded this episode a few weeks ago, Mike was a senior underwriter and recently awarded the 2021 Small Business Underwriter of the Year uh, for the entirety of Chubb Insurance. And for those of you that may not be familiar with Chubb uh, as a small business uh, and, and commercial lines carrier, I imagine almost all of you are familiar with their personal lines division for high net worth people. Uh, but Chubb is actually possibly the very best on a global scale uh, in the uh, the PNC world for small business. And they have a pretty significant middle market presence that is outside the scope of this conversation. But kudos to Mike, because after the uh, recording of this interview, Mike was promoted to executive underwriter, uh, which is pretty far up the food chain of underwriters. Uh, so congrats to you, Mike. Certainly best wishes as you proceed in the trajectory of your career. And I'm just sad that I won't get to have that many interactions with you moving forward because you, you done and scaled past us, my friend. A couple of very um, uh, important housekeeping items I have to unfortunately bring to your attention. This is the first episode uh, that is not being delivered in an unedited fashion. Uh, after review of the uh, content, the compliance and legal team for Chubb requested that several uh, small edits be made, uh, that they weren't comfortable with uh, an underwriter for their carrier saying in a public space. And of course, that is entirely their prerogative. They're free to do whatever they want. I happen to be a huge fan of Chubb and want to stay in their good graces. So I am... I made the decision to simply do the edits that they requested and carry on with the episode because I think it's worth it. It's worth the extra effort uh, to make sure that uh, Chubb is happy and that you get to hear this episode because Mike really brings it. Uh, this was a fantastic, a dynamic, engaging interview. I'm really happy with how it turned out, even with uh, certain snippets here and there removed. So that's it for uh, the lead-in. Uh, please subscribe, drop a review, and share AFP with someone in your circle who needs what we are talking about. It's episode 46 with Mike Creamer. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. There are two kinds of people in the insurance industry. Those who are captive and those who are free. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. There is so much I wish I would have known before I made the freedom jump to the independent side. I mean, even now, I feel like I'm learning something new every single month. We're all about helping insurance agency owners and sales professionals reach your maximum potential and flex your freedom. My team and I replaced six years of captive agency revenue in 17 months with RiskWell. 17 months, man. It's crazy. This show is where I share our successes, our failures, and what I've learned along the way. We lay out a blueprint of how to make your freedom jump from captive to indie to market domination. I'm bringing you colleagues from markets across the country with dozens of different specialties. They're eager to share their stories and best practices with you. I'm your host, James Jenkins. Welcome to Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. Hey, everybody. Time for another episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast. I am really excited 
uh, to have my guest here, Mr. Mike Creamer of Chubb Insurance. He is a, a real down to earth and somewhat humble person, so he probably wouldn't be the first to tell you uh, that he was uh, recently selected as the small business underwriter of the year for the entire carrier, right? Like that's all of North America, right? So it's actually specific to small business. They have uh, underwriter of the year in their various business segments, but yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. definitely. But for your business unit, though, the whole kit and caboodle, it's you. It's me. Small business underwriter of the year. Yes. That's not a small thing, my friend. Chubb is the number one small business insurer in the on the globe. So that basically means that you're the small business underwriter of the world for 2021, right? <laughs> That's what the the bumper sticker on my car says, in fact. But uh, I'm telling you, no, it uh, the, the, de- definitely uh, an honor. I was I was humbled. Had you know the the wind knocked out of me, which you know anybody that'll that'll you know vouch for knowing me knows what a feat it is to to have me speechless. So. Uh, you don't strike me as the kind of guy whose wind is knocked out of him terribly often. No, no, not at all. There's, there's not a lot, unfortunately enough, that that surprises me. But uh, yeah, that was, that was humbling for sure. Well, for those that don't know who you are, which is most of the audience here on AFP, uh, Mike Kramer is a senior underwriter at Chubb. Uh, he handles all the standard lines, you know, BOP and work comp and umbrella, all, all the usual stuff. The, uh, if it's not management or cyber or, you know, something, one of the auxiliary lines, it probably falls in Mike's sandbox. And I reached out a few weeks ago and basically just said, hey, is there any interest in coming on an insurance podcast and just talking shop. Because I tell you, there's not too many people that can put me in my place, you know, in a single email. But Mike Kramer has done that a few times. Uh, I know this might shock some people, but I I come out of the gate with a full head of steam more times than not. And Mike is not having any of that. <laughs> he is not impressed with my nonsense. So it, it was very quick... Uh, when I thought of, I want to have an underwriter on the show, I was like, wait a second, Mike Creamer, I'm going to see if he can come on. And what do you know? The powers that be at Chubb said yes, they gave their blessing, and here we are. Mike, thanks for joining us, man. Glad to be here. I'm, I'm looking forward to the uh, the discussion. Like you said, I think we uh, we mesh well and certainly you know love to talk shop, so I'm uh, I'm excited. I am really thrilled when I find someone that is as much of a nerd for this stuff as I am because, you know, so many people in my peers would say, oh, you know, it's, it's, I'm really an entrepreneur. You know, I could be insurance. It could be many other industries. I really just enjoy being an entrepreneur. And here I am going, I don't know, man, I really like risk and insurance. Like it's kind of my jam. Uh, I could do an entrepreneurial thing in another industry, but I don't know. I really like risk and insurance. I get the feeling you would say the same thing. Yeah, I mean, I like the fact that like no two days are the same, right? Like I, I walk up the stairs now in, in our COVID world, we're working remotely, you know, grab my cup of coffee and walk up to my computer. And I, I don't know what's waiting for me in my emails. I don't know what's waiting for me in my submissions. And literally, you know, shoot, I've been doing this since 2005, and I see new stuff every week. Like, you know, mm. hey, can you guys insure this? Like, whatever that this is, fill in the blank. It, without fail, I see new stuff all the time. And that's what I think I love, yeah. you know, the most is it's not monotonous. It's not mundane. 
there's always something that's going to leave you scratching your head and going, hey, wait a minute, like, is this something we can solve for? Is this something that, you know, I'm going to regret writing in a year, five years, whatever. And it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's unique to me because so many people, you know, they, they go to work, punch their clock, whatever. And each day is the same. It all runs together, you know, lather, rinse, repeat. And that's not, that's not been my experience in insurance. No, and, and what you're describing is consistent with what I've seen on the retail side of the house. And, you know, with my peers, you know, I, I'm logging into Facebook here to see what the comments were because I, I told uh, my peer group that I was having an interview with Chubb, Small Business Underwriter of the Year, and said, what should I ask him? So as you give us your intro of, you know, the, the short version of the Mike Creamer story, I'm going to get some of the, the questions uh, from them queued up as well. And then we'll, you know, jump into this thing. So uh, for th those that don't know, you, you know, your backstory, which actually does include me too, I haven't heard this part of your story. Uh, how did you get to this point? Like, how did you get to insurance and, and underwriting? And, and then Chubb, why, why Chubb? Those three questions, and you can take it wherever you want to from All there. All right. Well, first and foremost, let me say I'm scared at the uh, the poll questions coming in from the Facebook group that <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll uh, be looking forward to those for sure, but definitely interested to see what, uh, what direction that takes us in. Like so many people, insurance was not on my radar at all. Um, it, it quite literally fell in my lap and I'm so, so pleased that it did. Um, I have a bachelor of science in psychology. So if you ever wonder like my emails, I am absolutely digging around in your head and enjoying every minute of it. Um, but I graduated college was intent on going and getting my doctorate. I was going to, you know, change the world one maladjusted person at a time. And I'm looking at it going, okay, so I graduate in another five years. I've got my degree. I've got my internships. I've got pieces of paper that say I know what I'm doing. But how employable am I? Like, like am I ready to just set the world on fire or am I going to spend the next 20 years, you know, maybe regretting this decision? So I decided I was going to take some time off. I started working for an agency, little local shop. And it was apparent to me pretty quickly that I wanted, you know, to stay in insurance, but I wasn't sure if, you know, agency was necessarily the right fit, chasing, you know, constantly trying to, to chase commissions versus having, you know, more of a, a steady salary, whatever. Uh, a buddy of mine was the trainer at Hartford and was like, hey, do you want to be an underwriter? And I'm like, you know, sure. Literally, it, it was that simple, applied, went through Hartford's core class, um, and at the time, that was like a four-month crash course in underwriting. And with that, I was on a renewal desk for a while, ended up doing new business, did new business for middle market. And uh, fast forward to 2017, I get a phone call from the division president at the time at Chubb that says, uh, hey, we're, we're doing something pretty exciting over here. I'm hearing good things. Why don't you come, uh, you know, come play for us? And the rest, as they say, is history. But... No, to your, you know, initial question, like insurance was something that just, you know, basically smacked me over the head and said, hey, you know, like you're analytical, you've got that kind of like, hey, what's my bad day going to look like mindset? And you know, yeah. here I am. So. So I've often wondered, honestly, if in that side of the industry, 
if you know people like you, a senior, experienced underwriter with a good record, uh, great performance, is it kind of like sports teams where you know you're reaching out to the talent for the other team? You know, whether it's Hartford or CNA or whatever, uh, whatever Chubb sees as their primary competition uh, from other carriers. Is that how it goes where, you know, so-and-so leadership person just reaches out and tries to poach someone? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know that I would say poach necessarily just because, I mean, it's not, that to me almost has like a negative, you know, connotation right out of the, it, right sorry, of- forget poach. That's my <laughs> bad choice of words. Recruit of pitch the idea of switching teams to use your words. Right. So I guess what I will say, and I know that, that you probably, you know, would have the same sentiments is it is a very small industry. You yes. make a name for yourself, yes. whether you're if wearing you piss people off, they will not forget. That's, that's just it. So, you know, if, if you've done yeah. a good job wearing your Chubb Jersey, you know, uh, whatever. I mean, insert the name of whatever carrier and, you know, somebody that you have worked with historically. I mean, there is so much of that where it's like, oh, yeah, I worked with Mike here. He was fantastic. Or, hey, the, yeah. the flip side of that is, hey, I worked with Mike and, man, he was he was awful or it, whatever. But, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a, a tight industry and there's certainly – there is a lot of competition for for people that that you know can can honestly do a good job are are analytical and I'm, let's face it i mean there's no the only surefire way as an underwriter to never pay a claim is to never write any business like you have to find that line of how likely is my bad day to come and when my bad day comes on this account how many zeros are on that check like yeah point blank so from a scorecard basis, uh, just talk to me in the practice of underwriting in a general sense. Obviously, you, you have some experience with at least two different carriers, maybe a third one, or I don't know. Um, so obviously, you're not you know, speaking on behalf of Chubb as an insurance company, but just speaking in a general sense for information purposes, the practice of underwriting, you guys are scored based on profitability, just you know, like a, an agent's book of business is, right? You know, the company expects you to be exercising good judgment and keeping profitable loss ratios on your book, right? Yeah, absolutely. At the end of it all, you know, they give you the, the you know, framework to use. You've got your, your box, if you will, of like, this is in appetite. This is squarely out of appetite. But here's this tranche of business that, you know, basically it's up to you to say it doesn't fit perfectly, but it is analogous to this that we also write and basically trying to navigate through like it's not an exact fit because let's face it there are only so many dentists and doctors and lawyers and you know I mean kind of the vanilla sweet spot business for a small commercial carrier there's only so many of those opportunities to be had so from there it's okay where can you stretch and still do right by the company ultimately have that decision pay off at the end of the day um and it's, it's interesting well, and the, to, to the see. The Main Street bop, I feel like, is just as bland and boring and uninteresting for an underwriter as it is uh, for the retail agent. Because, I mean, you've got to write a lot of small little Main Street accounts to move the needle at all at the carrier level, you know, for your region or whatever your, your targets are as a group. So, you know, the more interesting stuff always has a higher risk reward score to it, doesn't Definitely. it? Definitely. 
definitely. When you get into manufacturing, which historically is Chubb's bread and butter, um, I mean, yeah. that's just our middle market book is is built on manufacturing. Um, you yep. get into to contracts. Well, and then tech and life right. sciences and, and, you know, medical and the, the stuff that, you know, we heard from the last presentation that I heard from Chubb was specifically talking about life sciences like, you know, pharmaceutical research and, and some really interesting stuff that I don't have any firsthand experience with. But just it, it strikes me that Chubb is really good at the hard stuff. Like almost anybody can be good at the main street bop, you know, the flower shop on the corner. That's incredibly simple to underwrite. Uh, You know, most carriers have automated underwriting for stuff like that where no one even talks to a Mike Creamer. Uh, So anyways, when when you get into the bigger stuff, the more complex stuff, talk about your personal underwriting philosophy and, and, you know, maybe to an extent uh, the way that Chubb does underwriting, you know, from a philosophical basis, the sort of things that you guys are looking at, the way that you balance risk versus reward uh, in, in a general sense. Yeah. So, and I mean, honestly, my philosophy is pretty well the same, whether it is your corner floral shop or, you know, a big manufacturer, big contractor is, you know, again, kind of going back to basics. Like, am I being asked to write a $5 million manufacturing facility? If so, you know, when it catches on fire, does the whole thing burn down? Is it a 10%, you know, probable maximum? Is it a 80% probable maximum? And basically trying to walk that back and say, okay, like, you know, like, like if I have a pro and con scale that I'm, you know, ticking away at, at the end of that, you know, which one is leading that charge, which one is winning. And if so, you know, at the end of it all, like, like if it's a wash, when that million dollar loss happens and the division president calls and says, Hey, Mike, help me understand this one. Like, is my position defensible? Am I able to say, hey, I know I swung for the fences, but here's why. You know, it's, it's a yeah. it's a huge partner for us. And yep, this one was on the fringe, but there, you know, other, you know, opportunities for this year were X, Y, and Z, and they were solidly, you know, in appetite. And, you know, this thing is just a fluke. What I mean, whatever. I, thankfully, I've not, you know, in all these years been called to the carpet on anything. So <laughs> I don't know if that's blind yeah. luck or if I'm doing something right, but. No, from everything that I've done as a retail agent and studying, one of the things that we always go back to when we're qualifying that kind of account to figure out as a retail agent, do I want to present this to an underwriter? Am I comfortable with it as the one who's responsible for pitching you? Because I don't think for one second you would disagree with the statement that I've made multiple times on this podcast. And that it is for every commercial account, you always have two sales. The first sale is to the underwriter. You have to sell them on the account. And the second one, of course, is to the insured. Right. I, I don't for one second you would argue that because, I mean, obviously you have retail agents sell you on ideas every single day. Yeah, no, I would very much but, agree with that. And, you know, at the end of it all, you know, having your account, you know, doing that on the ground underwriting before it even comes to me is invaluable. Like that is one of the things the, that... that it streamlines your job, frankly, it streamlines mine, because if at the end of it all, you know, you didn't know what you were presenting to me or you presented it completely wrong, at some point, whether it's, you know, on the front side or whether it's, you know, after a loss control, whatever, I'm ultimately coming back yeah. and going, hey, wait a minute, like, this is not not what we thought we had. This is not the way you pitched it to me. I actually, oddly enough, um, and again, thankfully, haven't had a whole lot of these on my, my scorecard throughout, but 
I had an agent that, you know, 11th hour fire, like, hey, I need I need coverage on this. They're going to close on this building. Like, can you? Yep, no problem. Told me what it was. And I mean, in truth, this was before like Google Earth was a thing. And, you know, so, yeah, mm. here's here's your, you know, binder. Go ahead and, and issue policy. We're good. Get the loss control back. And it's a vacant building. Hadn't been occupied in forever. Like legitimately, you know. Right out of the gate, I was I was sold a bill of goods. Whether they knew I was sold a bill of goods or not, who knows? But I literally called the agent up and I'm like, "Hey, just got my loss control back. I'm going to need to ask you to move coverage. And oh, by the way, are you guys hiring?" He said, what, what, "What do you mean?" So I told him it was vacant, you know, whatever else. And I'm like, "I'm like, and when my boss finds out that I swung for the fences for you, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna be coming to you for a job." Mm. <laughs> Now, that's that is an agent that does not understand the obligation to their underwriter. Wow, that's unfortunate to say the least. Uh, I hope I never put you in that situation. Not at all. Because uh, man, I just need to hang up my shingle if that's what's going to happen. Uh, to digress for a second, what I have always heard as far as qualifying an account, you know, before you get it to an underwriter is, you know, in the CIC program and CRM and other stuff, I'm in, uh, I'm about halfway done with my CPCU designation right now. And the theme of loss control, of analyzing the risk, the, you know, exposure units, maximum expected loss, et cetera. But looking at it from a loss control standpoint, you know, whether it's pride of ownership or safety programs or, you know, obviously good loss runs are always a nice thing. Um, is there anything that stands out when you see an account where the first thing you look at in that, you know, stack of documents that someone either puts in through the online submission or they send you an email with accord forms and a supplemental and if you're lucky, maybe an executive summary, you know, a one page synopsis of the retail agent's perspective on the account, et cetera. Is there anything that routinely jumps out to you as a, I love it when the agent shows me X on an account? And like, well, what demonstrates a good one for you? So if there's something unique about the account, you know, so again, outside of the, the, the vanilla main street, you know, whatever, if there's something that, you know, on the front side, that's unique or that's potentially problematic, put it right at the front of that pile. Like, hey, you're going to see their website says that they do X, Y, and Z, and it's going to make you think that they're not eligible or that's if If we know that there are warts, you know, so to speak, that's that I guess is kind of, you know, my terminology when Shannon and I are talking about an account or when you and I are talking about like, hey, the warts on this one as I see them are X, Y, Z. To me, it's huge if that, you know, especially if it's a known issue or like, hey, they got non-renewed three years ago because of this. Yeah. Like, like lead with that. Like, hey, here's going to be the toughest hurdle for us to clear. What is what is your philosophy? What is your take? Is that going to be a problem? Yes, no. Because, you know, at the end of it all, if at some point, you know, down the road, nobody needs to, you know, to be at the 11th hour and have a deal pulled or say, gee, you know, this is really a lot hairier than, than we thought. You know, that that's not good for us. That's clearly not good for you and, and your you know, prospective client at that point. So... Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, so no, I was just going to say, like, me like on an this. example of that that comes to mind, and again, kind of pulling from my own prior experience. Um, names have been changed to protect the innocent or the complacent, I guess. I don't know, but um, I had a logistics company come in, a prior carrier, years ago, as a consultant NOC, and I'm like, okay, logistics, you know, typically trucking, you know, 
hairier than anything you know that we're going to want to get involved with certainly more than a consultant emailed back like hey here's their website says that they're doing all this stuff and then the agent comes back and it's like nope they're they're a consultant that's all it's just logistics consulting i'm like well they have you know trucks that you can lease and clearly more going on and and you know like finally the the principal of the agency got a hold of it and was like ah, i'm gonna withdraw this submission and we're sorry and it's just like just just that that extra step of like hey the name doesn't make any sense let me google it before i shoot it over to mike you know like just taking that that extra you know five minutes and saying hey is this a, is this ultimately a fool's errand for all of us yep now i i want you to to hear me on this freedom jumpers because what mike is helping you do is think and act like an underwriter before you ever hit send on that submission uh, and some of this goes back to qualifying the prospect. Some of this goes back to know you're insured. There's a lot of different angles we can take here. But uh, Mike, am I hearing you correctly? A good way to sum that up is, for God's sake, do your basic due diligence before you send anything to an underwriter. Please. Please. Makes everyone's life easier. Well, no, I mean, at the end of it all, like, look, we are all in the same boat as far as time goes. Like, I do more on any given day than I ever have historically. And I imagine that trend only continues. I'm sure that you would agree that like your, your hours, your minutes are, are stretched paper thin right now. And that's likely only going to get worse. So if, if we can save yeah. each other time, that's a win for everybody. The, the undisciplined approach so many people take to the marketplace of, you know, swinging at literally everything that comes across the plate uh, every inbound request from any insured from here to Timbuktu. Uh, we've addressed that topic several times on the podcast, so I'm not going to beat that particular dead horse. So let me just switch gears for a little bit, Mike. And um, sorry, that's the wrong button. That's the button I meant to hit here on my little board. Uh, no bell dinging necessary. When, when you look at the was. bigger state. Oh, yeah. No, it's behind door number one is... Uh, is it a loss control survey, right? No. Um, when you look at the bigger picture and, and think about the industry as a whole, your sector of whatever you interact with in the insurance world, what are a couple of trends, uh, emerging issues, challenges, uh, innovations that you're particularly interested in seeing how they play out, either from a, a, a positive or a negative uh, potential impact? I'm curious to see where like, IOT, Internet of Things, the fact that we have this ever-growing mass of data. I'm curious, you know, if, if I could get into my DeLorean and zoom 10 years into the future, look back and see, you know, how, how my job, frankly, how your job, frankly, has evolved just from the amount of data that is literally at our fingertips. Um it's it's an interesting and to me kind of a scary proposition too where it's like you know the the data that you can get a hold of you know is it is it valid is it not valid how do you scrub that and, and confirm that it truly is like that building that iso says is you know modified fire fire resistive you know it's actually modified fire resistive it's not frame like you still need to have the the checks and the balance of hey i'm going to pull it up and see it with my own eyes on google earth and say yep i agree with that assessment all day long or or i don't like how do we mechanize that and ultimately you know what what does that process look like can you get to the point where you're 
rates, whether they're for commercial or personal, are distilled down to the to the just the nth degree of yep, this is this is as dialed in as it can be. Uh, auto rate, obviously, perfect example of that, where you have telematics devices that you know track how you drive and how far you drive, and you know, are you an aggressive accelerator and breaker and like. I, I don't know. Like, I am just intrigued to see, like I said, you know, if, if I could snap my fingers and, and look back 10 years from now, I am just absolutely, absolutely pumped to see where that all goes. Hey, Freedom Jumper, are you looking to take your business to the next level? Who isn't, right? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS. At Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, they understand the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing marketplace. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique or outlandish they may be. With a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and guidance you need to see your agency succeed, Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't just survive in the competitive insurance industry. Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. Get started today. Learn more at nbsbrokerage.com. Hmm. No, I love that. That's. I wasn't expecting that answer. Uh, when when uh, you took it in a different direction, I love it. Uh, when, when you think of your operating and what you see in the insurance world in a post-COVID existence with the predominance of work from home uh, and you know, cyber liability, which obviously is outside of your scope uh, at Chubb, that's, that's Ty and other people's uh, you know, corner. You mostly handle BOP and Umbrella and Work Comp and Auto and inside-of-the-box lines. Uh, so I won't ask you to comment on cyber. I know that's not entirely your cup of tea. But in in a general sense, when you see the way things are evolving on a monthly basis in a post-COVID world, uh, how do you see that impacting the way that you perform as an underwriter and commercial insurance as a whole? Yeah, so I mean... Uh you know, COVID obviously is, is a game changer. Um, you know, you toss that on top of record, you know, cat years, all kinds of lost trends that, you know, have said, Hey, underfunded as an industry for, for an extended period of time. And, and seeing that, you know, people are posting these record loss years is like, you know, I mean, not necessarily a surprise as far as how that changes, you know, my approach, historically, and I mean, this is even largely prior to my time, but, you know, there's two ways an insurance company can make money. They can make money on the underwriting desk. They can make money via investments. And obviously investment income has been, you know, effectively non-existent for a while. Um, So you get back to, you know, kind of the, you know, the underwriting 101, I guess, of, of just like, you know, am I going to lose my shirt on this deal? And if, if the answer there is yes, or if the answer, frankly, is probably, then I'm going to move on to the next opportunity and call it a day. Like, I have definitely, and I mean, you know, not that I was playing fast and loose to begin with. That certainly hasn't been my philosophy because I've seen that play out, frankly, for for others. But I definitely, you know, look more closely at the, yeah, I've I've got a hold of a winner here. This this is a surefire deal versus playing in the margins. You know, historically, I probably was a little bit more more free with those decisions, or you know, rather than saying, hey, you know, I've got you know, 
a 15% credit I can apply on this thing. Like, hey, let, let's let's work with five and we'll see how we look in three years. Yeah. No, I love that. My, uh, my colleague, Tom Larson in New York, shout out to Tom. Uh, he, and I love his question. He said, what is the biggest mistake or let's just make it easier, a major mistake uh, you see agents make on submissions to you. And if you could wave a magic wand over that retail agent, uh, what would you wish for in, in retail agents in general? So I, I, again, hate to kick a dead horse, but honestly, like number one pet peeve for me is not knowing what you have, you know, and I don't know whether that's a product of just the, the times and everybody being stretched so thin and, you know, but from not having an understanding of what you're insured or your prospect of insured is actually doing, you know, from classification standpoint on down, like I've had, you know, none of the rating variables on a quote be correct. Like, Oh, we have a million dollars in payroll, but annual sales are a hundred thousand. And, you know, like literally if I have to come back and, and quality check each step of that, that application, I, I may as well have put it in myself at that point. So yeah, just, just the, the, you know, back to basics, slowing down. And again, it kind of circles back around full steam to, you know, solid work on the front side is going to streamline the back end process. I have to reconcile that. And I clearly don't know the answers to those questions. So I'm coming back to you anyway, and saying, hey, this, this and this don't make sense. Can we confirm you now have to reach back out to your client anyway? Like it doesn't, you know, at, at the end of it all, we're now duplicating work on both sides of the house. So you know, I have to tell a, a short story. It's it's not to my benefit, I promise you. But <laughs> the lesson was learned very well. Uh, this is about two years ago. I uh, was a few months into Risk Well, and we had an inbound call uh, from a, a business owner down in Deep Ellum, and he uh, owned a restaurant and and bar uh, that had live music on the weekends, or so he said. And this is. I mean, it's about two years ago. I, I wasn't nearly as refined on some of my field underwriting as I am now. And I had done a glance uh, at the website and the social media. I didn't do anything close to a deep dive, which I do now, I promise you. Uh, and I submitted to the underwriter. And uh, they said, okay. It looks like, and they went and asked a bunch of questions regarding uh, late nights and after hours and what do they have for their security controls and whatnot. And then I get to the end, the last question is, and, and what about the nightclub exposure? Like, I'm, I'm concerned about that. And I said, what nightclub exposure? Because the insured had, I had asked an explicit question and the insured said, no. No, when we have live music, we have karaoke sometimes, uh, but we don't have, we're not a nightclub. And the underwriter's like, oh, really? <laughs> then what's this? And sent me a screenshot from their social. Yep. And I kid you not, man, it looked like an, a rave, like an absolute like banger of a, a club party was going down in that picture on their social. And I swear that picture was not on the social two weeks prior yep. when I had done my stuff. But you want to talk about foot in mouth. That underwriter is like, well, this is a decline and I hope you try harder next time because I got to be honest, you definitely uh, lost some credibility with me on this one. I mean, they were like super direct. It was like, hey, rookie, you know, don't put boneheaded crap in front of me. Because uh, I mean, obviously, 
you know, a standard market carrier is not going to write a uh, a restaurant with nightclub exposure right. in you know live music and a twenty by twenty dance floor. That's that's the definition of ENS. Yeah, no, so, I um I love that example. I've run into it myself uh, quite a few times, unfortunately. But I will say, Facebook gives you as an underwriter a far truer picture, or you know whatever their their social is, but. Yeah. Like you yep. know, their website typically is, oh hey, it's all neat and happy, and and nobody's gonna slip and fall today, and you know it's it's the best run restaurant yeah. that there ever was. And to your point, you go over to their Facebook page, and you can see the live feed from a patron that was at whatever level of intoxication last Friday night, and it's like, okay, yep, here's yeah. here's here's the less prettied up, more you know, real life version of of what this you know what this risk is is actually gonna be for me, and you know. It's, uh, we, we've all been there. We've <laughs> so, all been there. But the good news is... So the takeaway is for you freedom jumpers out there, if you're not already in the habit of doing a deep dive in someone's website and their social media, you really should add that to uh, your checklist items before you send something in to an underwriter. So what I, what I hear you saying for, uh, for Tom Larson and you know, the wish is simply know your prospect before you put it on the underwriter's desk. Yeah, no, sell, sell it to me as straight as you can. And I, look, I mean, I, not that I'm going to hold over, you know, somebody tries to put me on a nightclub, I'm going to I'm gonna say, hey, this is a nightclub. And, you know, to your agent's point or to your underwriter's point, rather, you know, you probably go a, go a peg or two down on the, you know, hey, and, and you do as an underwriter, you know, somebody that's selling yeah. you straight, like, hey. You've got your pecking you order. You do, Absolutely. You know who your loser agents are and who your favorite agents are who always put good stuff in front of you. And you probably know the retail agents that try to slip a fast one through. Yeah. And we all talk, frankly. So like if we, you know, take a promotion or we take a territory shuffle, like literally conversation one between, you know, the the changing of the guard of the underwriters is like, hey, here's your group. They're solid. They know what they're doing. They're not going to put you in a bad position if you, and I mean, frankly, it all comes down to to hours in the day. If somebody says, hey, Mike, I need this approved and I don't have time to dig in, if I know I can trust the agent, I'm far more likely to say, hey, I'm going to approve this now, go have dinner with the family. You know, my my wife has been, you know, bugging me forever to go out on a date night and tonight happens to be that night and I don't have the time. I want to get you your quote, but so you're going to know who who's on the level who yeah. you can trust. And, and obviously the flip side of that coin is those that you really, really need to watch and those are conversations yep. that, uh, I mean, literally conversation one when you're when you're having the you know ceremonial passing of the book. So, mm. you know what you just said confirms what I've heard from a couple of mentors and never heard it straight from an underwriter's mouth. And it's kind of understood to an extent, uh, but like any other human relationship, trust is earned, and once a sufficient amount of trust has been built up with an individual underwriter. You know, we as retail agents get a lot more bandwidth to play with uh, in with that carrier relationship once we've demonstrated good stewardship of, of the responsibility. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I, they, uh, Dave Carruthers, one of my mentors, older brothers in the industry, uh, his thing, and he said this several times, I don't mean to steal from him, um, one of his favorite things to ask an underwriter is, what do you love to write, but you don't see that much of, you know, what is something uh, that you 
want more of, you know, from a retail agent. As far as, you know, having the retail agents do a better job of engaging the underwriters in the process of locating good accounts and, and making good business happen with our preferred carriers. Uh, what's one of those for you? Like something that you think of as a category of, hey, you know what? I really like writing X. And I don't see it terribly often. I wish people would send me more X. And I know this is going out on a national podcast. So there's some geographic limitations on uh, whatever you're saying. And this is obviously just your opinion for what you see. Uh, but what's a good example of a, a class of business that you really like to write, but you want to see more of? So uh, two, two industries come immediately to mind. Um, and I'll put the same caveat on both of them. The shops that are well run, that have the driver training programs in place, that have the team lift mechanisms in place, like you get a hold of a good wholesale risk, tons of premium on the auto, tons of premium on the comp, typically going to have some associated property in there, hopefully multiple locations, spread of risk, all of that. But like as far as, you know, going after the Holy Grail or the unicorn, those uh, are among my favorites, second to manufacturing risks. And it's the same same idea there that if you get a hold of a shop that is is established, it's well run, they, they you know, are have vested in the health and safety of their employees, that's going to shine through on their loss runs. And I mean, that's not to say that you're not going to have losses. That's the business that we're in. We're here because people have losses. But having yeah. the once every three year pop or the once every five year pop that's easy enough to say like, yeah, but, but look at, you know, the four years that, that were clean, the four years that, you know, had Mickey mouse, you know, it nuisance claims it's still a well-run shop. It's still going to print money on the, the 10 year term. And, you know, that's another thing that always drives me nuts looking at new business is it's like, Oh, oh, send me the loss runs. Well, they've had four carriers in the last six years. Like, is it worth the sweat equity on my end? knowing that it's a short-term potentially play because they're going to get a 5% increase next year and, and demand to be shopped. So so that, that confirms another thing <laughs> that I was curious of how you were going to handle that. You know, Do you want us as retail agents, is there value when you're looking at an account uh, of seeing you know two, three, four years in a row with one carrier? And is that something that we as retail agents need to be preaching to our insureds and, and communicating the value of that uh, in the marketplace. Yeah. So that does uh, two things, frankly, for me, as it demonstrates that a, the client isn't necessarily price sensitive, not to say that price isn't important. It always is. But, you know, if you are in the same spot for four or five years, that says to me that you value stability, you value a relationship with your insurance provider. And on the flip side of that, that also tells me that the insurance provider was fine with continuing to offer terms. So they didn't, you know, have a loss control inspection that went sideways. They didn't have an audit that went into dispute. They didn't have to chase down premiums perpetually. Like, like it, it goes from my perspective two ways. I mean, that, that is a win-win for all. No, I, I definitely agree with that. Now, when it comes to managing your workload, there's obviously, there's only one Mike Creamer. And there's a whole bunch of retail agents that you work with. Uh, just in my cluster, there's 83 total agents. I don't know how many appointed uh, with Chubb. I'm going to guess it's probably 20 or 30 of them out of the 83. Now, how do you manage your workload in a general sense? 
I guess a follow-up question is, you know, of the things that end up in your queue, how many of them do you actually put eyes on? And how many of them get shoved to the bottom of the stack because you you know from experience, you know, what to expect from certain agents and you're simply prioritizing other relationships that you know are going to be more fruitful? Yeah. So, I mean, I imagine the politically correct answer is that, you know, everyone gets the same amount of attention and everyone's equally weighted and, you know, we all sing Kumbaya. We all know that that's not accurate. <laughs> and I don't think e- even, you know, the, the higher ups at Chubb who I'm sure are going to you know, listen to this and go, oh yeah, okay, we, uh, we approve this for release to the general public. I don't think even they would expect that that actually happens. No, I, and I know that they don't because we've had those discussions, frankly, of at the end of it all, you have to prioritize, you know, again, your your top tranche of agents, the, the folks that, you know, hey, let's face it. And, and this is a real life scenario. Hey, I'm 10 grand shy on the month. And, you know, as well as I do, like this is a fiercely competitive business. We're all out there both, you know, competing against our peers, but also, you know, we're invested in success. We're invested in growth. And, you know, like, like, the hero zero line is is there. So I've had, you know, hey, I need I need 10 grand. I need 50 grand for my month. And that same group of agents that are, you know, at the top tier or whatever are those calls. Like, hey, what have you got sitting on your desk right now? What do you need to buy in today? Like, like let's let's see what we can make happen. Like those are, are going to be your, your top priorities. And that that comes, you know, with the same, hey, I need to turn this around. That comes with the Hey, can you look at this tonight? Like, even if you have to log on tonight, can you look at this tonight? Um, so you definitely prioritize, you know, where your attention goes, because at the end of it all, there are only so many hours, so many minutes in the day. And unfortunately enough, some of that stuff is going to sit till tomorrow or maybe even the next day. Man, everybody needs to hear that straight from an underwriter's mouth. And, you know, we've already earlier in this interview, you, you told me some things that, help you either move up or down the pecking order. Uh, and it really just comes back to stewardship from the retail agent, I think. You know, so many people shoot from the hip way more often than they should. Uh, and, and all it takes is a little bit of effort and due diligence to greatly, I would imagine, tell me if I'm wrong here, but it doesn't take that much to move up the, the food chain. Because, I mean, if, if the middle of the bell curve is where most people are, a little bit of effort gets you above the bell curve. Comes down to the, you know, the difference between ordinary and extraordinary is just that little extra. Is that what you were shooting for? Well, I'm just trying to help my my colleagues and peers out there listening to this episode get a better understanding of, one, how do I write more business more effectively, which means more profitably? And two, how can, you know, people listening to this, you know, take these uh, the concepts and go out and improve the relationships that they have with their underwriters, whether it's Mike Creamer and Chubb or, you know, insert other quality underwriter here. Because a, a lot of people are going to be interested to know that you have production quotas and targets as an underwriter, uh, just like agents do. Because, I mean, so many of my peers think of underwriters as the just say no crew, uh, that they are the the revenue uh prevention group. Uh, you know, they, when I was in uh, over at, at Farmers back when I was a captive agent, they called it the RPG team where the, uh, the underwriters were called the revenue prevention group. And, you know, basically they existed to say no. That's awesome. And 
I, I know that is not how you operate, uh, but I think it's probably refreshing for a lot of people to hear that you as an underwriter have production targets. No, no and I mean, you know, that, to build off of that, like the best news I can ever give somebody is a yes. Like, yep, this is abs all day long. Like I am all in on this opportunity or this class of business or, you know, fill in the blank because we do at the end of it all. Like, like we have some hefty goals and the difference you know, the, the difference for us is that it's also tied to performance. Like, okay, if that book is toxic and it's, you know, losing money. So it, it's, I don't know, it's, it's an interesting perspective, but, um, but yeah, no, I mean, you know, being able to tell somebody yes is the best, you know, possible outcome for all of us. So we're, we're just about to land the plane. I want to give you and Chubb uh, uh, one, a shout out from me. And then two, I want to give you the mic and let you extol the virtues of Chubb. I have publicly stated that Chubb and Liberty Mutual are probably uh, on the commercial side of things going to get the most attention and focus and submissions from me this year. Chubb on the white collar side of things and Liberty more on the blue collar side. And, and that's simply because of people like you and Shannon, by the way, shout out to Shannon Matiza, who is my rep at Chubb, and I adore her. Shannon, you are the best, and you deserve a shout out in front of everybody. Uh, so I don't care who your Chubb rep is. If she's not Shannon Matiza, then mine's better than yours is. So uh, anyways, when it comes to Chubb, Mike and Chubb, this is your free commercial. What is Chubb great at in your perspective as a carrier? I mean, you've been at Hartford, which is another great carrier. Lots of positive things to say about Hartford. But what do you love about working with Chubb? And what should retail agents know about Chubb and what they want to do in the marketplace? So one of the things that was most surprising to me coming over was just our breadth of capability and not even you know necessarily tied to small business, but just finding out that, hey, we're, you know, the largest pollution rider for, you know, tank safe and we're, you know, the largest defense base rider and all of these different divisions that exist. And, and frankly, I'm still learning of our capabilities. You know, we've got an aviation unit that deals with high hazard products and we have the umbrella team that can sit on top of, you know, it's just mind boggling to me to see all of the capabilities and still be bumping into capabilities, you know, at this stage in the game. I mean, shoot, I started in October of 2017 and I'm still finding out that we have, you know, solves in various, you know, areas and worldwide. And um, so having the backing of the largest publicly traded PNC company in the world that has offices in like 54 countries, I think, like, it's just, it's mind boggling. But knowing that like if I say no, like, hey, James, I can't help you with whatever, but we have our Westchester access division like all day long. That's right in their wheelhouse. And like being able to say, you know, hey, here's here's my piece. Like I can write the comp, but I can't touch the rest. Here's, you know, Inland Marine. Here's Westchester. And being able to say like, like, yeah, it's not a, a chub small business option, but it's a chub you know, tiered option. Here's the various pieces of that puzzle and, and we can put together an option yep. for you. That to me you know, is When powerful. I think of Chubb as a carrier partner, when I think of my toolbox, so to speak, honestly, commercial auto is just about the only thing that I don't think of Chubb for. And I think anybody who's riding uh, with Chubb can agree that auto is not exactly the premier product like, like cyber, like the BOP, like so many other lines. 
uh, you know, Chubb is, is known for being excellent at. But you guys are just a fantastic partner from a, a Swiss Army Knife perspective. You know, whether it's management lines or obviously, you know, cyber, the pro ERM product combination of uh, professional liability and cyber in one product that's underwritten together. Man, Chubb does some things really, really well. Uh, I'm grateful to have them uh, as a partner. Um, I'm not that big of an agent yet. Uh, unfortunately, we only have a little more than, uh, you know, a little low six figures on the books with Chubb, but we're definitely going to change that this year. And um, man, anything else you want to add on, on the free Chubb airtime before we move on to the you know finale? Well, I think what we're going to have to do is, is get uh, some talks going with Shannon to, to get your 22 uh, plan ratcheted up no i'm just kidding um no it's yeah it's no she told me my target's 100 grand a new business premium in 21 and i i said look i don't make guarantees uh but i will i will guarantee you that's going to happen uh, and i told her my target and it's a lot higher than 100 uh and she's the kind of person that's going to hold me to oh, that yeah. which i don't mind because other than other than chubb and liberty and i understand it puts me in a weird spot because we have eight commercial direct appointments and that you know, do simple, simple math there and realize that six carriers did not just get named. And that means that six carriers are not going to have my, my primary focus uh, in placing business with them this year, but Chubb has earned it and Liberty has earned it in different ways. And I'm okay with that. Like I've told lots of people uh, that interact with me in various capacities, risk well operates as a meritocracy. You earn your seat at the table. Nothing is given. Everything is earned. And from what I hear from Mike Creamer, you operate in a very similar way, my friend. I uh, I like to think that I do, for sure. Anything you want to add before we go, Mike? I know we're pumping up right on that time we talked about. Yeah, no, I, I'm just thrilled to uh, to be asked to do this. Certainly uh, hope that I was of, of benefit to your audience. Um, I'd love any feedback. Like, I'm, I'm super curious to see you know, what, uh, what folks, you know, burning questions, you know, whatever you'd always wanted to ask an underwriter, but, you know, didn't get in on the Facebook, uh, you know, pre-launch, but, uh, so much of what you covered on your own actually addressed several questions that came in. Uh, There was six or seven total and and you on your own addressed a lot of it, uh, with some of your dialogue. So I I think people are going to come away from this with a a real appreciation for the role of underwriter for starters. Uh, and I know my recap for this conversation is you know, freedom jumpers, retail agents listening to this. You have got to approach commercial insurance thinking like an underwriter. If you haven't gone out and got a designation or two or three, uh, a great place to start is the CIC, Certified Insurance Counselor. And then CPCU is another great one. That's kind of the creme de la creme. But the more you can understand how a Mike Creamer is thinking and feeling, the easier you're going to make Mike's job and your own as well, because there's a collaboration between retail agent and underwriter. Uh, if you think of the underwriter as your enemy that you have to overcome and, and defeat so you can write a piece of business, I would encourage you to check that mindset because it's not the way that it works in the independent world. For my people that are coming from the former captive world and people that are still in the captive world, you're used to seeing an underwriter as an opponent and that is not a productive mindset. So, uh, Mike, anything else from you before we wrap up? No, I would just uh, piggyback onto that sentiment. Like, you know, the partnership is only as as good and as open as the partners are. And, you know, uh, 
we're all here to, to do the same thing ultimately is, is hopefully toss a couple of extra nickels in the bucket at the end of the day and have that effort pay off. Yep. So. Mike Kramer, the 2021 Small Business Underwriter of the Year for Chubb Insurance, which, by the way, is the number one small business carrier in America. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for being with me today. Glad to uh, to be on. And like I said, I'm, I'm honored to have been, uh, been, been a part of it. Fantastic. Well, that's it for this episode, boys and girls. Make it a great day, and we will talk to you real soon. Y'all take care. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Agency Freedom Podcast. Please subscribe to AFP on your favorite podcasting platform to get automatic updates on every new episode and help other people find us organically. If you like the content you hear, please drop us a quick review and tell the world what you like best. Most importantly, please share agency freedom with someone you know who is still on the captive side of the insurance world. They'll thank you later. You can connect with other Freedom Jumpers, ask questions, get advice, and share your best practices in our Facebook group. Just type Agency Freedom Podcast in the search bar. Visit our website at agencyfreedompodcast.com to sign up for our email list and get access to exclusive resources and sign up to be a potential future guest on the show. We welcome your comments, feedback, and ideas. Email podcast at riskwell.com and we'll look forward to hearing from you. Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help our listeners go from captive to indie to market domination. Until next time, let's go. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you've got to do is you've got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial, but you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.